Welcome to the Smith and Steward podcast. I'm Mrs. Smith, but you can call me Ellie, and my mission is to strengthen fellow homemakers as we faithfully steward our homes and the souls inside them. Here, we'll seek inspiration for everyday moments and answers to your questions about all things homemaking, including interior decorating, gardening, cooking and baking, tidying up, and much more. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. Let's get started. Hey there, homemakers. Welcome to another episode of Smith and Steward. I am so excited to be talking with y'all about motherhood today, right in time for Mother's Day, which is coming up this Sunday, if you are listening to this episode when it was released. And while I have been so excited to talk about this role of motherhood that we are uniquely designed to have as women, I have been a little bit daunted by the subject because as y'all know, I am not a mom. So I have zero personal experience with childbirth or adoption or having a child live in my home. I have never even overnight babysat someone in my own home. I've only done that when, you know, I was younger and um, did gigs as a babysitter in someone else's house, but that is totally different than actual motherhood. It's just a taste. And so I wanted to, this week, talking about motherhood to bring someone alongside that actually has experience, knows what they're talking about, and what better person for that than my very own mom. So I'm so excited to introduce y'all to my mama. She is graciously agreed to come on, and we had such a blast just spending time together and talking about the beauty of motherhood and her experience and um, her encouragement for each of y'all that are current mothers or future mothers. Um, So I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you. This episode is not only for those of you who already have kids or who want to have kids. I think that there's a lot of stuff um, that applies to those of us who don't have children now or maybe want to ever. Um, Those are part of the things that we talk about, as you'll see. But um, because of Mother's Day, that is the theme of this episode. Um, and I'm just really excited that I was able to share this conversation with my mom, who is so special to me. So I hope you'll enjoy listening. And maybe it'll even encourage you to have a similar conversation with your own mom about what motherhood is like. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my mom. All right, mom, if you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself to everyone, um, and tell us a little bit about you and your story, whatever you feel like you would like to share. Mm -hmm. So I want to say hello to all the Smith and Steward listeners. Thank you for supporting Ellie and her podcast. (laughs) Who am I? I'm Ellie's mom and you can call me B. B. I like that. Call me B is because ever since I was married to someone with the last name starting B, I wanted when I became a grandma for my grandma name to be Mommy B. I even wanted to write books as Mommy B as a pseudonym. Never have done that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I wanted to write children's books and have my pseudonym be Mommy B. Um, And Mommy B came from a favorite aunt, a sister to my mother's mother. Um, She was Mommy B was her grandma name. And I just loved it when I became a a last name that started with a B. I was like, oh, that's what I want my grandma name to be. So um, who am I? I'm a person who loves the meaning of names. I actually look up the meanings of friends' names and coworkers' names to give them a bit of encouragement. I love to look that up. Did you know that? Oh, of course. Yes. 
for so for some context for y'all listening, my mom, <laughs> she would, when we were young, give us the same thing that she's talking about that she gives to coworkers and friends, where she would give us all of the definitions that our first, middle, and last name meant and the Bible verses that corresponded yeah. to that. Verses. So mine before I was married was bright, calm spirit, blessed by God. I will just forever remember that. I don't even remember which portions of my name corresponded to which portions of that. Um, But I just was like, that's my identity and I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Like you said, who am I? And and your name is your identity. So I believe that God knew who each of us was Mm -hmm. and he knit us together in our mother's wombs. And so he gave our parents just the right name for us to represent what he already knew to be true about us. So my personal name means reflector of light. My first name, my middle name means light. My first last name, my maiden name means truth. And my married name means blessings, which is your blessed by God part. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that God made me to be a mirror. Um, um, a reflector of light is a mirror. And I believe that God made me to be a mirror that whenever I visit with whomever God places across my path, I'm there to reflect to them God's light, God's truth, God's mm-hmm. blessings that he's poured out into their lives. So I love to visit with people, ask questions, get to know them and, and, and sometimes be able to say, this is what I see. This is, this is what I see about God in your life. Yeah. Um, so that's who I am. Um, I am a homemaker. You had given me some suggestions of like, yeah, I knew what your question meant. I am a homemaker. I am a business owner. I am a wife and a mother, but first and foremost, I'm a child of God. I am the daughter of the King of the universe. (laughs) And it is the most wonderful privilege to know that I am loved perfectly, unconditionally, and completely, no matter what I do each day. If I screw anything up, my loving father accepts me just like when you guys were little and you would bring a Valentine card as a teeny toddler and it might be drippy, gluey, messy. <laughs> if I bring that to my father, he loves me and he's delighted in me. And that sets the tone for my whole life. I can do anything because I know I'm loved that way. Mm. I um, love that you say that because one thing that I know about you is, is that much like me. And I wonder where I get it from. <laughs> like perfectionism is something that is yeah. really hard for both of us, I think, to get over. And so I like that, that analogy of it being a messy thing, but we, we try and we do everything and, and how, <laughs> how many times I have heard you and other mothers that were parents of my friends growing up say things like, you know what, I'm not going to do it perfectly talking about motherhood, which is what I want to talk about today. I think that that's, I don't know. So great that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, my best friend next door used to say, write it on your list for therapy. (laughs) So when she did something wrong, she'd be like, yep, you're going to need therapy when you're a grown up. put that on your list to tell your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great thing to say. Yeah. She was so don't worry about your mistakes. God's going to use every bit of your mistakes. He loves you. And he, he knew you were going to make those mistakes. And yet he let you raise the children you're raising or make whatever mistakes in your homemaking or in your marriage or whatever else, or your job or whatever things you think you're doing wrong. It's okay. Don't be, don't be afraid of doing it wrong. It's just fear is an enemy of the, of the enemy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, 
a tool of the enemy, I guess I should say fear is a tool of the enemy. And he wants to sabotage you by being afraid of not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of that. Yeah. Well, so in the context of, of the subject for today, which is motherhood and, and obviously like we know this is a homemaking podcast. And so I want to talk about, um, the role of a homemaker as well, but specifically for those of us who are homemakers, who are also mothers, which I say us, and it's not me. I'm not a mom, right? That's, nope, that's why I had, I'm waiting on today. <laughs> whenever you're ready. Oh my gosh. You joke. I, I actually love these jokes. I know some people get offended when their family is like, when are you having kids? And I'm like, I think it's fun. So, but anyways, just with, with I both of them, rush you. I waited a long time, so I don't want to <laughs> rush you. Well, with both of those being, um, things that are, um, not necessarily mutually exclusive. So like me, I am not a mother, but I am a homemaker. And I know that's the case for a lot of our listeners, but a lot of the listeners are also mothers. And so I wanted to be able to talk leading into Mother's Day about motherhood and about homemaking and how those are two roles that tie into one another and and kind of what it looks like in um, both contexts. And so like you kind of just alluded to that, that you did wait a long time to have kids. I would love to first for the first portion of our conversation to kind of talk about that season where you were married and you worked outside of the home for a good portion of that. I know not your entire life, but, um, so you weren't like only a homemaker. You also were making a living elsewhere as well, but you were a homemaker and not a mother for 10 years of your marriage. Mm -hmm. So I would love if you're comfortable to kind of start there and tell us about that season and what that was like for you, um, looking back on it and, and what that role as a homemaker meant to you in that season versus what you have in your mind about it today as an empty nester. Which I I feel in a lot of ways, empty nesting is a lot like pre-childhood. It's very, empty nesting is very much like pre-child. I mean, but it's just so different because like you live through other things first, but it's like, oh, now I get to do that again. Mm. And hopefully maybe better than the first time. I don't know. Am I a homemaker? Do I consider myself a homemaker? Because um, some people wouldn't consider me a homemaker because I'm a business owner and a quite a bit of a workaholic, unfortunately, for my family. <laughs> um, and so they might not think I'm a homemaker, but I do consider myself a homemaker. And I would say that if you listeners live in a house or an apartment, a villa, a townhome, a condo, or even if you live in an RV, wherever you live, it needs to be home. If you live alone or if you live with other people, you want to make your dwelling home by everything that you do within the home, the mm-hmm. way that you decorate, the way that you clean or don't clean, the way you host others or don't invite people over, whether or not you're the only person who ever crosses your threshold, the environment of your dwelling affects the emotions of those that are inside those four walls. Amen. So the role absolutely changes over time, no matter what your path. My youngest daughter, Ellie's sister, lives with a roommate and they mm-hmm. host friends for weekly game night. Yeah, um, and I love she, that. And yeah, she and her roommate both have decorated the apartment in a manner that fits both their personalities. They went into their apartment together 
thinking of one another and wanting each other to be happy with the space. And so they were very selfless in the way they decorated. They cook and clean and host all in a manner that fits their two personalities, but blesses those who come to see them regularly. And the two of them are always thinking of one another and thinking of the others that come into their home. Mm-hmm. And so it's an apartment but it's their home. Mm -hmm. And so they're always thinking they cook, they clean and they host in a manner that, that blesses the others in their lives rather than being selfish. Um, They want to make each other feel good about their surroundings and they want um, to make those that come there feel good being there. Um, So by putting others first, they get filled up. They both feel good about themselves more than if they were two roommates who were both really selfish about it. I remember your first, I don't know if it was your first apartment, but one apartment, you didn't have that joy with the roommate that you lived with. She was never thinking of you. And as much as you wanted to try to think of her because it wasn't mutual, it felt awkward and you guys were not friends. It was weird. Yeah. That Um, was, that was a very brief, um, my first one living in this city, but yeah. yeah, you had I, other great roommates. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think that's something that is really cool for you to bring up about the stage of life as a homemaker without having children, whether it's the stage that you're always in or the stage that you're in for 10 years and then after your kids leave the house or whatever, um, just that that it is still a selfless mindset that that is what's beneficial. And that's something that I learned from you when I was growing up, you as my mom, were always encouraging for us to, Hey, if you want to have a birthday party, or if you want to hang out with friends, have them over here, let's do something here. And here's some, here's a space that's like very teen friendly for all the video games and all of the uh, snacks and the pool table and like fun little things like that, that we had the room for which was a huge blessing. Um, but that was something that I, I learned under your roof when you did have kids. So I think my parents made us feel that way. We were always entertaining. It was always fun to have people at our house. I would tell you that my pre child, pre children homemaking started Mm -hmm. in apartments like my youngest first, Mm -hmm. I had a roommate. And then, um, after I was married, I lived with Ellie's father. And since we were married very young, I wanted to wait that significantly long time longer than (laughs) our parents were happy with. Um, and Ellie was born just shy of our 10th wedding anniversary, which was great, but purchasing our first starter home was a delight. So as much as we made, I had two apartments as a married woman before our first house and purchasing that first house was great. I did decorate the apartments the way I wanted. And, you know, with her dad's influence, um, we purchased furniture together that fit our personalities and stuff like that. But the house was just a greater level of becoming, I feel like your home and how you establish your home and you kind of get used to it over the years, what you like and what you don't like. And you don't really like, like, so I actually, am I allowed to say what I do for a living? I sell residential real estate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, I, I love helping first time home buyers and stuff like that, but you don't necessarily know what to look for in a house because you haven't lived in one before and you don't, and it's okay because you, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the only one you're going to live in. You're going to, you know, probably move up to a next level house and stuff like that. And so being in a home is a greater level of becoming in my mind. you you get to know yourself. You get to know the things that you like and, and the things that your partner likes and stuff like that. Um, 
if you will do things like making the bed daily and mm-hmm. washing the sheets regularly and cleaning the dishes every day and putting the clean clothes away instead of having clean clothes in the hamper, you know, and you're pulling mm-hmm. up the hamper, or whatever, all of those things lend to the peaceful environment that makes a home feel most comfortable. I do remember some of our friends always, when we would have um, church friends, small group friends, whatever would come over when you guys were little, um, they would always comment on how clean our house was both before children, um, before you guys were born. And also, especially after I had children, I remember people saying that kind of thing. And sometimes I even felt like some of my friends seemed jealous and they didn't return the invitation for us to come to their houses. Maybe they felt like our house was too clean and we would judge them, which I totally would never have done. Um, and I probably would have welcomed people into my house, even if it was more cluttered. Um, but because Ellie's father was kind of needy in the cleanliness department, he needs (laughs) to have, like, even when you were driving the car, like if he gets in my car, Mm -hmm. I keep the little, you know, how you go through the car wash and you get those little bags to have a little trash bag in your car. I keep that right beside my right knee Mm -hmm. in the driver's seat. So that if I have someone, the passenger seat, it's not in their way. Well, when he gets in my car, has to yank that trash bag out of there and it to be like, he needs yeah. his space. And so because of his needs for cleanliness, I was probably a way cleaner housekeeper than I would have been if I'd not been married to him. But I'm yeah. so grateful that God used him to shape me because yeah, he needed the environment clean. So we kept it clean and it was always picked up. It was always ready for somebody to stop by at any time. Mm -hmm. Anyone could come in and feel welcomed, which they would have been, like I said, if it was cluttered, cluttered, but it was just much easier and more pleasant because it was always done. He could, he could entertain Mm -hmm. anytime. Like he probably wouldn't have wanted them to come over if it wasn't clean. He would have felt judged. Well, and that's something that we've talked about in, in other episodes, just about, I've done some about cleaning. And one thing is everyone's level of company ready clean is different. So -hmm. like for dad, he, he had to have it be much more clean than maybe you would have, but I I'm right with you. I loved, um, maybe not doing the chores the way that he wanted them to do because he was particular. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Saturday. I just want to sleep in. Why do I have to get up and do chores? But it taught me um, discipline, first of all, but also it was kind of teaching me how to care for something by cleaning it. And now that I do have my own place, that it's it's a different type of ownership like you were talking about when you had your first house, that I'm so grateful for that being ingrained into me um, now, just the way that I've I like to clean my own space the way that I like that it feels. And I've had people say the same comments to me before of your house is so clean. And I look around and I'm like, there's stuff there. There's stuff there. There's stuff really. Right. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell us, tell us about today. So we've talked about kind of what your homemaking was like before having kids. Um, and, and I know you mentioned that they're similar, but what does that look like for you today? How do you see yourself as a homemaker? Because as you did mention, you do own a business and are very busy with all of the stuff that you do for that, which is great. Um, but what does that look like in your everyday as a homemaker today? And then we can get into the motherhood stuff in a second. So because of our lifestyle now, and I work a lot more hours, um, 
and your father works from the house and he is an amazing cook. Like I hardly ever cook anymore, which a lot of my friends are totally jealous of that. Your dad cooks most of our meals. Um, I remember visiting my paternal grandmother as a child and she and her sister were widows and lived together. And I remember that my grandmother was the chef and um, my aunt Queenie was the cleaner upper. And I remember helping her clean one night and being like, do you clean all, you know, you granny always cooks, you clean every night. And she's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, well, don't you ever want to be the cook? Yeah, but that's okay. She likes it. And I don't mind cleaning. And I, I remember thinking that's terrible. I'd hate to be the one that had to clean every time. And now that's what I do, but I'm good at it. I get it done. And it's, a, it's the one brainless thing that I get to do is do the dishes and um, put them away. And I like a clean kitchen. I like it when all the counters are like I, ugh, sticky something on a counter. Can't stand that. Like, you know, um, and I sell a lot of houses. So like, you know, I've been in some houses that are kind of gross and whatever. And it's just so nice that, that that's how we get to live. And it makes you feel good when you, when it's clean, it's just like, yeah. if you go into a hotel room and it, it's all nice and clean and it feels clean. Whereas mm -hmm. if you, um, went into some, you know, dive bar restaurant that was kind of gross. And you're like, and they hand you a menu that has sauce all over it or yeah, something. And you're like, yeah. I don't think I want to eat anything. Yeah. In here. You know, <laughs> maybe can we go to a different restaurant? You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so there's just a difference in, in feeling that. Um, but so like, you know, what's it like? Am I still a house a homemaker? If he's the one that does all the cooking? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, we probably split the clothes washing halfway. He does it. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes we, both, you know, fold and put away the clothes. Um, he does most of the outdoor things like the lawn still. And, um, so I don't do some of that stuff, but I'm, I do more of the dog walking than he does, mm -hmm. you know? So, well, and you also have been so involved. I know watching y'all move, gosh, was it two or three years ago? It, we've been moved two years now. Yeah. Two. Okay. I keep thinking that it is close to three and then I'm like, wow, there can't be, that was <laughs> anyways, when you moved, um, I remember your thought process being very focused on decorating and making sure you could figure out where all the furniture needed to go and everything like that. And, and you were talking so much, um, earlier about that and, um, the cleanliness and all of the other, even just your attitude when you are home, um, being something that affects the, the atmosphere in your home. And I think that that, at least to me is what it means to be a homemaker. Really. It doesn't, mean that you have to have kids. It doesn't mean that you have to be married. It doesn't mean that you have to have a house. And we've talked right. about that today. Like it right. really just means like you are creating a space in your dwelling place, whatever that is, that is home. Mm -hmm. And that is such a beautiful thing to me that I think is honestly an art form. And I feel like that's why I wanted to talk about all of this on this podcast is because I didn't want anyone to think that it was, you have to be the cook or you have to be a maid. That's not what being a homemaker is. So moving on to talk about motherhood specifically, and, and obviously when you were, um, there have been different phases and I would love to just broadly talk about what that has been like in your life as a mother, um, how there have been different phases where you were a stay at home mom, you homeschooled us for a little while. And then Very there was a period while. where, <laughs> yes, there was a period where then we went into public school, but you were still home for 
a while. I, I don't remember if that was the same time that you started doing real estate, but then later you went into real estate and were like, what you, you want me to go and, and work outside the house, dad, are you sure? Um, and he was like, yeah. And then that was a way that God provided for our family during the, the 2008 stuff that was hard financially. And, um, so there've been a lot of different seasons when you had kids and I obviously was very young for some of those and don't know all of the full details of everything. So I would love for you to talk about knowing that there were so many different phases of that for you. And obviously still you're in another phase of that. Now your kids don't live with you, but you're still a mother. So throughout those phases, what does motherhood mean to you? So motherhood was absolutely having my children in my home was probably the most delightful phase of my life. I love my life today. And I loved my life pre-kids. I've enjoyed my life. God's been very generous to me and blessed me with things that have been fun. I know that a lot of people in your generation seek fun first. Um, I, that's not what I seek, but I've had a fun life. I've really enjoyed my life, but, um, I totally wanted to wait that 10 years um, to enjoy being a young married couple. I thought um, before college that, oh, I want to get married young and have children young because I don't want there to be a big generation gap between me and my kids. And then I graduated from college and taught school and was like, I don't get these kids that are four years younger than me and they're four years younger than me. So forget Mm -hmm. that model. Who cares? Now then I got married young. I'm like, you know what? Let's play and enjoy being young and not get saddled down with the responsibilities of parenthood. And and I don't want kids for 10 years and five years in my in-laws were like, so when are you going to have kids? I was like, yeah, five more years. And, um, and so Ellie was born three months before. Yeah. Three months before mm-hmm. our 10th wedding anniversary, which was cool. Um, now when you were born, um, I literally told my mother, wow, if I'd have known it was going to be so much fun, I might've started sooner. It was so delightful. I absolutely loved watching my little ones and the baby stage. And as you would, you know, grow from like, there were so many changes and we took so many videos of you, not as many of your sister's. um, Because when you were born, my mother was caring for her parents in their home And I would send videos of you guys to them because this older generation um, was watching these videos and, you know, you had videos of, of me. And I remember seeing these and I think they're so silly. They're just me sitting on the couch watching uh, VeggieTales or something like like that. Or just playing in your room for room time. I just had Mm -hmm. videos of you just doing a bunch of nothing, just walking around. But like, we have a new puppy now. Um, Ellie knows we just got a new puppy. She's been with us two and a half weeks now. And we have, so she's our third. We have two older puppy, older dogs. This is what they're Um, doing instead of grandkids. (laughs) (laughs) Because Ellie won't lose any and her sister's not married yet. Anyway, so, um, so it's so much fun to watch these three dogs play together. Like we've mm-hmm. had so much fun watching them play together. And I'm like, I'd rather watch that than TV all day long. And I felt like that was the same thing for my grandparents. So sending my grandparents videos of their grand, the great grandchild playing, just playing in her room by herself, entertained them. Yeah. My mother was able to put that on and they would sit there and watch you for hours. So it was great. I would just put the camera on you and go do housework and, <laughs> 
and I have a video to send to my mother. So, um, it was, and these were like VHS tapes that you would mail, right? Yeah. Yeah. So So I, I loved mothering at every of those, one of those stages. I did want boys too. I would have loved to have had boys as well. God blessed me with three amazing daughters. I loved mothering girls. I had a blast dressing you up. Um, my best friend, Michelle used to make fun of me because I would dress you guys up and put great big bows in your hair and stuff like that, but you were mine. And I got to do that just like I spoil my dogs and put bows in my dog's hair. (laughs) I think if y'all had stayed living in the South that you might've had other friends that also did the bigger bows. Yeah. 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 She's from the North. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. very Southern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ellie knows that faith was the absolute glue that got me through every single day. Mothering is very challenging at all the stages. So as much as I had fun, it does not mean that it wasn't hard. Um, there were days that I cried, um, days that I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? I specifically remember getting very fatigued and crying out to God, feeling like a watering can. This is a very, um, monumental memory for me. I remember feeling like, God, I just feel like a watering can. I need to come back to you and get filled up. So I have something to pour out. I'm empty. I'm just poured out and empty. I need to come back and get filled up. And I remember, and I was like kind of praying this as I was outside doing outdoor work or something like that. And the, on the screen porch, I I totally remember thinking these thoughts to God. It wasn't like I was in my quiet time when I'm having this conversation with him. And I remember saying, I'm tired of being a watering can. I don't want to have to go back and get filled up to pour out. God, can't I please just be a hose and be connected to you all the time that the water's just flowing through? And, And that image of becoming a hose and his living water flowing through me would cleanse out all my junk because I got stuff. I'm not, I'm not Christ. I'm a human being with faults and flaws and all that stuff, but his living water would cleanse me and his living water would water all the things around me. And then I'm like, you know what, God, I don't want to be a hose. That's not enough. I want to be a sprinkler system. And I don't even want to be a zone sprinkler system that only a little zone at a time. I want to be, God, I want to be a whole city irrigation system. And I remember thinking that that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be connected permanently to him and pouring out his living water on the people that would come across me. I know you've told me that analogy before because because it has been something that was monumental to you. Um, and it's weird because I have heard recently, and I can't remember what the first source was that I heard this because it's been multiple places, but the idea of our daily bread being in scripture, I think is very watering can-esque, I guess, Mm -hmm. that that that's how God did make us is as watering cans where we do have to come back and get our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And that's not bread alone. Like, right. We don't live on bread alone. We actually, mm -hmm, we have to have God and and be connected to him. And, And there is the analogy of the vine. So the hose is not, it's not bad. That's, that's exactly what that reminds me of is, yeah, I would love to be a hose and and be, you're always supposed to be connected to the vine, but at the same time, we do have to have this reminder that we are dependent on God and we are not like, like he is the hose that fills up the watering can maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 
I think that's cool to just, just the idea that you were talking about with motherhood and, and I feel weird talking about motherhood because I'm not a mom, but, but everything that I've heard about it and kind of preparing my heart to hopefully soon be, um, pursuing and, and maybe blessed with that would be that, yeah, it's a big responsibility. And I think a lot of people, my generation flee from it because of that, or, or maybe wait like you waited, which is not bad. Um, it, it's, I definitely think the right answer for some people, just like it was the right path for you. Um, I, I think too, though, that we don't have to be scared of it. Like mm-hmm. when you said, I wish that I had known how fun this was going to be. I would have done it sooner. I would have done it sooner. Yeah. That is encouraging to me as someone who like, I don't feel like I'm that old, but I am getting closer to 30 than to 20. So I guess it's like, I'm closer to the age that you had me than the age that you were married. But regardless, I feel like more equipped and more ready than if it was just this big, scary thing. Like it's a big responsibility. You are raising little souls to be mirrors and that's hard. (laughs) Like whatever, whatever we're reflecting, like they're going to be reflecting and it's a big responsibility to be disciplined and everything like that but just knowing that it is a blessing too that it was such a blast yeah I love that I loved it it was such a blast so with this episode coming out before Mother's Day I wanted to ask this question and I know it might be kind of (laughs) weird um for context those of y'all who are listening when my mom turned 50 she was like I do not want to party don't throw me a party. Tell me everybody I'm over 50. Thanks a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I'm we almost 30. I hope you're are. almost 50. <laughs> Anyways, I remember when when you it was a big milestone birthday and you said I don't want a party and we threw your party anyways. So for you, I know this answer might be that you don't want anything big to be celebrated, but I want to ask just maybe for ideas for people who are listening, who are celebrating mother's day. Um, what, what would be, if you could pick how in whatever stage of life you want to talk about, whether it was when we were little or when we were teenagers or now where we're out of the house, how would you like to be celebrated as a mom on mother's day? Um, so I would say that, um, you know, if, if your listeners are wanting to bless their mothers, ask Mm -hmm. their mothers. Very true. (laughs) Because different people want different things. I think like for, for you guys to do something for me, I would love to be with you. Mm -hmm. I can't always be with you because you live in a different state. And so that's, great. I would love to talk to you and have a time like this is a blast doing this together is awesome. I love it when you do the story time that you gave us for Christmas with both me and dad. That's so cool. Yes, which we need to do more often, (laughs) but yes, but, um, I, I, I just love that. Um, so, you know, to, how do I want to be celebrated? I love flowers. You can Mm -hmm. always flowers. I would buy flowers for my home every single week, except for the fact that Oh my goodness. Do you realize like, even if you just bought them at the grocery store and you spent 20 bucks a week, that's 80 bucks a month. That's how much you like, no, I can't spend that kind of money on flowers, you know, (laughs) but I love fresh flowers that much. Your sister doesn't, your grandmother didn't, Mm -hmm. 
but I do, I like fresh flowers. And so just send me flowers and call me up. And if I could be with you to be with you and have a meal with you would be great. Yeah. Um, you did ask me in preparation, like what would my dream mother's day look like? Mm -hmm. I wish my mom was still around and I yeah. would, my dream mother's day would be with all three of my girls. Yeah. And if you were mothers by then your children and me and my mom and, um, your dad, mom, and my stepmom, because your grandfather's remarried. And, you know, I'd like mm -hmm. to be with all the women that I love together on, on a mother's yeah. day. That would be a dream mother's day if we could all be. Um, and so, um, you also asked what would be a great one when I still had younger children in the home, just being with them and being yeah. with, you know, my mom and stuff like that was just great. That that's, you know, yeah. Well, so I, I was listening to something earlier this weekend about, um, festivities and celebration and how sometimes they can be a lot of pressure and, and we don't want to put so much pressure on them, but sometimes it's a beautiful way to create a culture in our family and to say, this is something that we always do together. And it's, it's just something special. So like, sometimes it is so great to go above and beyond, but I knew this was going to be an interesting question because, a lot of the people who are likely listening are either mothers themselves or one day might be mothers themselves. And so, so they have mothers or they know a mother, they have right. a mother or something. Everybody knows a mother that you right. might celebrate. So there's always a way to bless the other mother. But I also was thinking in terms of being a mother, I, I wonder like, what will my mother's days look like? And when I think about that, I am like, wow, I, I, I would love it to be maybe some certain way, but I also, just like you're saying, don't ever want it to be a burden on somebody else. I don't ever want it to be so much about me. And I had to be told that over and over and over when it was my birthday, when I was growing <laughs> up, you would always be like, Hey, Ellie, it's not about you. But I was like, it's my birthday. What are you talking about? It's about me. No, it's not about you. And I've that, learned that. That 50th birthday that you mentioned, mm -hmm. God told me that then. I know. I was like, I was like, it's my birthday mm -hmm. and I don't want to party. Like, why wouldn't you give me what I want for my birthday? And God was like, it's not about you, even on your birthday. It's not about you. You're here yeah. for others. You're yeah. here on this planet for others. And, and the more you remember that, the more joy there is, you know, because when you're all about you and you want it your way, there's anger and there's bitterness and there's, oh, I didn't get this and I didn't get that. And there's not gratitude when you're all about others. And then you get blessed by blessing others. There's so much more joy in life. So yeah. much more joy in life. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a biblical way to react to is just yes, joy and, and wanting for that celebration, I think is, is not a bad thing. I think that, that mothers do so much. They deserve to be celebrated. I, I want every single mother out there to have the best mother's day and to feel so loved because I know how much love that they pour out every single day, all the time, even though I'm not a mom, I know that. But at the same time, I know that if mothers come into this holiday with those expectations and desires for themselves and being like, this is how I should be treated. I deserve this. Then it's, ne 
it's never going to be happy. So that's kind of the reason I wanted to ask that question is for, yeah, ideas. And and it's fun. I love thinking about Mother's Day and and ways that we can celebrate. I still don't know what we're doing if we are going to get to go see my husband's mother or grandmother or not. I hope so, but I, I still don't know. Um, obviously going to be calling my mother because like you said, it's not only Mother's Day, but it's also same day, your birthday. So <laughs> that's pretty special. And anyways, I, I just, I thought I would kind of ask that and talk about that because it is two sides of a coin where it's this fun, exciting holiday and and there should be celebration, but at the same time, we have to prepare our hearts for um, selflessness. Absolutely. So moving back into motherhood in general, I wanted to ask you three things about motherhood. What was the easiest thing? What was the hardest thing? And what was the best thing? The easiest thing about motherhood. And so like you asked me this ahead of time, and this is one of the questions that I didn't get to ahead of time. So I would say the easiest thing about motherhood I was playing with you guys. Yeah. I have a memory of before your third sister came to us and two of you were, you know, kind of, you were, I was trying to get the house clean, get the vacuuming done or whatever. And one of you needed my attention. And I remember putting the vacuum cleaner down and sitting down in the hallway up by your bedrooms and reading a book to you. And feeling like, oh, I need to get the house clean because as we talked about before, your father really needs it clean. He needs Mm -hmm. the house orderly. But I was like, nope, they need this now. I'm going to put down the work and I'm going to read a book with my daughters. And Mm -hmm. that was probably the hardest and easiest thing at the same time because I loved reading to you guys. And like the best thing, I love tucking you guys into bed and reading and praying with you at night. I loved, I loved bedtime. I loved bath time. Like, you know, bath time and bedtime is so hard in a lot of homes. I don't know why ours wasn't. It was a joy. It was not a battle. It was pleasant. Um, and probably not every night. I don't know. But in, like for those moms that are listening that bedtime is a chore and a battle, I would say spend some more time on your own and talk to God about it and ask him how to change it because he did make bedtime so pleasant for me and probably the funnest part of the day. Um, I, re- I remember loving bath time. We were spending time together when I was bathing you. I remember... You know, I remember one time when you asked me stuff that I felt like the answer was a birds and the bees answer. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, she's too young for that. You know, what, how do I answer that? You know, whatever. But even, you know, so those were hard things, but like, like best, hardest, easiest, it all mushes together. So I don't think it's, Mm. so if that's the, that's the best answer that I can give you is that the best and the hardest and the easiest all mushes together and they're all the same thing. Yeah. I I love that. I think that's really special to think of it that way too, where it might be based on how you're feeling and what else is going on around you, whether you can feel like you can put the vacuuming down and read a book, or it might be that, I don't know, it's sometimes some people might not 
enjoy bedtime. It might be really, really hard, like you're talking about, but all of it tying together into one big role of being a mother, it's all so interconnected. I think that's really beautiful. Well, I also wanted to ask about, and and I guess this kind of relates a little bit to what we were talking about because we did ask about um, a hard thing. When you were facing hard moments or even hard seasons, uh, because I would imagine there were several seasons that were hard, at least to transition into, um, what would you typically do to overcome that? Like, where would you turn to? And I know what the answer is going to be for this, but I still want you to talk about it. But like, where would you turn? What would you try to remind yourself when it was hard? So obviously I turned to prayer (laughs) whenever everything was hard. I turned, I turned to God. Um, your grandmother was a prayer warrior and she taught me to pray and I saw God answers prayers as I grew up and it made me know that he was going to answer my prayers and it made me a prayer warrior too. Um, and there were lots of times that I cried out to God. I don't know how to do this. God. I don't know how to do this. I don't, I'm going to do it wrong. And like the story about the, you know, putting down the vacuum cleaner to read a book to you. I don't know that I made that choice every time. I remember one time when I did make the right choice or I thought that was the right choice, but that's the thing too, is they're all choices and you, you know, you're just doing the best you can and whatever choice you make, it's your gluey drippy Valentine to God, just doing the best you can, um, Mm -hmm. in the moment. And you're going to lose it. I remember when your grandmother was caring for my grandmother and she was so fatigued from caring for her grandmother, for my grandmother who had Alzheimer's and lived with them, um, that she snapped at her mother sometimes. And she was like, Oh, I just snapped at my mother. Like, and she thought she was horrible. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, mom, you like, you're caring for this woman in your home with Alzheimer's. And it was just amazing. And so like, yeah, it's okay if you snap, you know, and you're going to snap at your children. If you're a young mother listening to this podcast, you're going to snap at your children and it's not pretty, but none of us is pretty, you know? Um, and so when you, you know, are, are at the end of your rope and you just don't know what to do, I, I go to God, I go and I pray and if I can get away and, you know, put the kids in room time or whatever, and I go take room time, I need some, you know, time, whatever I go read the Bible and ask him for answers and look for answers in the word. And sometimes not even do that, just crying. And, and I feel like sometimes when you're crying, like your tears are more in depth prayers than just prayers are. Um, like he catches all your tears in a bottle. I don't know if that's a Bible verse or a song I've heard, but it, like he catches all your tears in a bottle and they just feel like more intense prayers to me. But I remember once when you came home from your freshman year of college and I, something happened in the house and I went in the other room because I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what to do. And I went in the other room and I'm crying and talking to him while this is going on. And God was like, this is why your kids turned out. Okay because I'm using all these things and I'm shaping them and this is going to turn out okay too. And he comforted me in my crying and he does, you know, and he, and, you know, doesn't mean it's going to happen like that. Yeah. But that's what I did. I would pray every time. 
Well, I think that's encouraging too, because it, it's not that you have to be a perfect mother for your kids to turn out. Okay. Or if you are a perfect mother, that it's promised that they will be perfect in return. Like people are messy. We're going to be messy. We're going to give that messy Valentine. I love that. Free will. God gave us free will. <laughs> well, and also sin. We we are all sinners. Even if we're saved, we're still like stumbling with some of that stuff all the time. And and one of the coolest things I remember um kind of being introduced to this as more of a concrete idea when my husband and I went through our marriage prep class before we got married at our church. Um, our there was a couple that was leading the class that we're still very close with. And, um, they talked about apologizing to their kids when they snapped at their kids or did something that was sinful as a parent toward their child. And I was like, what (laughs) you can do that. And I think that that is like a really good picture of, whether you are apologizing directly or just using it like, or letting God use it, I I would like to be able to apologize to my kids when I do mess up. But I also know that I am not going to do even that perfectly. But Mm -hmm. I like the idea of how God can use that situation to teach the child, this is what the Christian walk looks like. We're not going to do it perfectly. And this is what we do when we mess up. And I just think that's really beautiful too, of that. It's, it's not going to be perfect and and it's going to be hard. And this is where you turn to and that he is going to comfort you and how he was able to comfort you in those situations as well. I think that's just beautiful. Oh, I know one thing that I wanted to share that you were saying when you were talking, that came to me, don't try to be an Island. Mm. Cause even though I need my Lord, mm-hmm. I also needed other women mm-hmm. and it's very important to have some kind of a small group of women, whether you're in a women's only small group, or if you're in a couple's group with your husband and he does men's things and you do women's things. Like when you were an infant, your aunt Stephanie had her son at the same time mm-hmm. that, I mean, he's like a month or so older than you are, um, your cousin. And so Aunt Stephanie and I, like we did that, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the book, Baby Wise, great book, highly oh, recommended, really? <laughs> Baby Wise, Moms of Babies, go get Baby Wise book one and Baby Wise book two, some of the greatest books that really helped me through my parenting. I've heard, I've heard good and bad things about that, actually. That's so funny. I didn't know that you did that. Well, but everything you use, you need to uses through a grain of scripture and through works for you. And if you look at that book and do it rigidly, then, you know, no, maybe it's not. But if you use Mm -hmm. that book as a guideline and you make the decisions or whatever, which is what the book's trying to tell you to do in the first place. That's awesome. Yeah. It, but, but being able to call your aunt Stephanie and say, Hey, you know, and and we would say what the books say, I mean, you know, whatever, (laughs) but to ask each other, like, what are you doing when this happens? Yeah. And Miss Michelle next door, when, Mm -hmm. when you guys were older and I would call Miss Michelle and stuff like that, or I would call somebody else or I would call my mother, Mm -hmm. mom, oh my goodness, you know, whatever. And so that don't be an Island, go make sure you have other women that like men are worse about this than we are. Men really need to pour into men and they don't we do a little better job of trying to, but just make sure that who you're asking is someone that's like-minded. If you're wanting to be Christ-like, then make sure the person you're asking advice of is wanting to be Christ-like. Cause you mm-hmm. know, yeah. So anyway, 
Yeah. So this is my last question and you've kind of already done some of this, but if <laughs> I wanted to ask if you have any specific advice for people who are listening, who are young mothers or may be young mothers one day in the near future, what advice would you tell them in addition to all of the other things that you've shared with us today? So absolutely. The best and foremost advice I would give young mothers or young homemakers who aren't yet mothers, whatever, or don't want to be mothers, like your little mm -hmm. sister doesn't want to be a mother ever. Mm -hmm. The absolutely best I would advice I could give to any of you is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this doesn't just mean lip service. I'm going to go to church and be a good girl, or I'm going to read my Bible because I'm a good girl. No, it means seek him, get to know him, go to him when there's problems and cry to him. Yes. But don't only go to him when there's problems and cry to him. If you had a best friend that you didn't just want to go hang out with and Hey, you know, what are you doing today? And let's cook a meal together and let's go do whatever together, you know, or go shopping or whatever. And all you did was call her and go, I don't know what to do with this. And you only called her with problems. You wouldn't be good friends. She would feel like you just used her and God's like that. He loves you. He's a person. It's so much harder because we don't see him. It's hard to understand that, but he adores you. Read his love letter to you every single day, not because it's an obligation to read the Bible, but because you're looking for him in it and you're looking to get to know him and understand that he shaped you. He, he shaped you exactly in your mother's womb for every task that he puts before you every day. He wrote every page of your story before ever one day existed. He, he wrote all of those days before you, before anyone ever happened. So spend more and more and more and more time with him than you ever think you can, because he alone is going to make time expand. He's going to make you be able to do so much more and so much better than you could ask or imagine. He made you for such a time as this. He shaped you. He wants to romance you. If you're like, oh, I wish my husband would do this, or I wish I had a boyfriend that or whatever, he wants to be your boyfriend, your lover, romance you. Like seriously, he'll, he'll flirt with me sometimes by like, you know, having me notice a sunrise or a, or a full moon or whatever. And he wants to romance you and he wants to fill you. Don't look to the, the world to fill you, your husband or boyfriend, your children, job, friends, anything else. They're all going to let you down at one time or another. Jesus never will. When someone else does and you go to him and you ask him to fill you, he will. Um, he adores you. Spending time alone with him is never going to leave you disappointed. I can tell you that it's a learned exercise. When Ellie mm -hmm. was a tiny baby, baby reading my Bible was a little bit like eating vegetables. I knew it was good <laughs> for me, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. I did it anyway. And I'm so glad that I did because just like vegetables, I now enjoy the taste of healthy food. Even if I do like sweets, I love to, to eat healthy food, but I absolutely thrive when I spend time with Jesus now. And if I hadn't intentionally done so, I don't know that I would feel that way today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember on that note, specifically hearing you talk about that. And, and I was struggling in college with wanting to read my Bible and, and spend time with God. And I was like, I know I should do this. And I would try and be semi-consistent, but I would never want to. And I remember there was one moment where I had been praying. I was like, God, please make me want to do this. And I'd been praying for it. And one day, I think it was like 
a Saturday or I didn't have any classes or something. I just had free time. And I was like, I'm going to sit here and read my Bible. And I did for a little while. And then I realized, I was like, wait, I wanted to do this and it was fun. And I cried. I was so happy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's definitely like praying for it and, and practicing it when you don't feel it. That's the type of love. Like when we, when we think about love, because you were talking about it a second ago of God's love for us and him romancing us. When we think about love, the the way that it is in a marriage where it's not a feeling that you just feel for 50 years, the rest of your life, whatever it's sometimes you don't like that person. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a choice and an action. And so that to me was what you were talking about of doing it when, when you haven't built that muscle up and and when you aren't feeling like it. And I've experienced that too, and, and been encouraged by your experience of that too. Um, but I also think it's cool to think about the way that you were talking about God of romancing us that, that the way he loves us is so different from the way that anyone else can love us. Like the study of the different Greek words for love, the agape love that is the selfless, self-sacrificial love where he died on the cross for us and he gave his one and only son and he came and bore himself as flesh and lived in this messy world to die for us. Like there is nobody else that's going to love you that way, but like everybody's going to love you differently than, than the way God loves you. And so, well, he knows you perfectly. He, he made does. you, he shaped you. He knows you better than, you know, when humans love you, there's always a little bit of self in their love mm-hmm. and God loves you completely selflessly. He loves you completely. Yeah. Do you think, and this is the last thing I'll ask. Do you think that there's a, a, change in the way that you have understood the love of God because of being a mother? Ooh, yes, absolutely. I did over the years notice, um, that parenting was a really cool thing, a really cool gift from God that being a parent taught me more of how he loves me like a parent, because you love your, like, even if you love your mate, it's not the same as the way you love your child. Like you, you're going to get mad at your kid, but it's not like when you get mad at your spouse or something. I mean, it's just, you absolutely love your kid unconditionally. You, you really absolutely do. And, and to see that it really helps you know how he loves you. It's really very cool. I'm cool. That was a great question. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that too. I'm, I want to wrap up so that this isn't too long of an episode, but I just, before I do have to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I know I'm going to get to hang out with you after this and chat and whatever, call you whenever I want to, but just the fact that you were willing to put some time aside to talk and, and let our listeners hear your perspective on, on motherhood and, um, what you've brought. I'm, really enjoyed our conversation and I know that it'll be encouraging to a lot of people. So thank you. I would be honored to answer any questions. If somebody emails you questions, Hey, mm-hmm. can you send this to your mom? Absolutely. Yeah. Send me that and I'll send answers back. Absolutely. Not that I have any answers. I'll probably tell you, go ask God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but if, normally when I have a guest on, I will tell them to, you know, Hey, where can we find you? Um, and obviously we're not going to be sharing that with, with my mom for privacy reasons, but like she said, you have my email in the show notes and you can reach out to me and she would absolutely, yep. um, absolutely. love to respond. And that's really cool. Thanks for offering that mom. 
<laughs> and thanks for being here. Thank y'all for listening. And with that, friends, it's time to close today's episode. Thank you for joining me for this chapter of the Smith & Steward podcast. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which has the largest listener base, or on your favorite podcatcher app. If there was a resource we discussed today that you'd like to learn more about, check out the show notes in the details section of this episode. And until next time, keep up with us by following us on Instagram at Smith and Steward. See you soon.